It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. When there's talk of Russia, there's talk of cybersecurity, talk of uh, Russian contractors, or certainly contractors uh, more often in Eastern Europe, some within Russia, and tacit approval by the Putin government of their operations, probing our security systems, not just in the corporate world, but also when it comes to our cities and states. With the war in the Ukraine, the question is, what are their activities that we know of? And is it just related to Ukraine? Are there other reasons? Morgan Wright, Chief Security Advisor at Sentinel One, recognized cybersecurity and terrorism analyst, joins me. Morgan, my friend. So here we are, Russia, cybersecurity, not just Ukraine. I think if we just focus on that, we're making a big mistake. Yeah, hey, David, glad to be back. No, absolutely. In fact, uh, uh, earlier, uh, an attack on Rosneft, uh, which is the the, um, you know, Russian oil company headquartered in Moscow, the German uh, subsidiary of that was attacked. Uh, and also because uh, Helmut Schmidt, the former uh, chancellor, is on the board. He's the board of directors. The, the president is a close friend with uh, Putin. So we're seeing attacks, uh, collateral attacks, like you were saying, against other companies, no matter where they are. And the danger is, David, is that, the, you know, the, the web, all of our interconnected companies are like a huge bowl of spaghetti. I mean, you've got all of these strands going everywhere. For if some of these folks like Anonymous think that they can just target one thing and be precise about it, they're wrong. There will be a lot of collateral damage. I get it. They want to go after uh, some of these ones that are supporting Russia, but because they lack the intelligence, they lack the the professionalism and the discipline that normally a state actor has, th- th- there will be fallout. And it, th- that fallout will include attacks on the U.S. Uh, these This malware that is being used will get out of control. It'll get out of hand, especially the ones that the Russians are using. And it will be like a torpedo you fire, like in the movie The Hunt for Red October. You take all the safeties off, that thing will turn around and come right back at you. So I think we're entering into a new era with a dangerous escalation of not only physical attacks uh, you know, and, and armed conflict, but bigger conflict in cyberspace. What about cyber as a precursor? Uh, let's talk about that a little bit because, yeah. you know, Russia in the Ukraine, they went after certain communications, not just by blowing up a television antenna, but they went after them with cyber. Uh, we don't know how effective they were. I think in this case, it might have been an advantage in a sense for the Ukraine, or at least a, a better defensible position that they are not as interconnected say, the way the United States is? You know, I think one of the lessons that was learned was um, after the 2015 black energy attack against Ukraine uh, and their power stations on the Zaporozhaya hydroelectric plant on the Dnieper River, all of those areas that are in conflict right now, they've become really better. But I'll tell you, one of the other things, though, too, is that uh, Ukraine just got uh, allowed into the NATO uh, as a cooperative partner. They called it into the Cyber Center uh, uh, Cyber Center uh, Center of Excellence for Defense for NATO out of Estonia. So now, even though they're not a NATO partner, they're now what's called, I think, a cooperative partner. They're now part of that. So I think between that and what they've done before, and like you said, 
And plus, the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, one of the outliers, too, is Elon Musk bringing in a lot of Starlink terminals. So now you've got communications all over the place. All you need is a view of the sky and a Starlink terminal. And now, I mean, you've got pretty – a friend of mine just deployed a Starlink terminal. He lives out in Colorado. He's getting like 100 megabits down and, you know, 10 megabits up. So that's like having Comcast or something at home. I mean, that's really good connectivity, and that's what's allowing them to continue on, use these drones, and stay connected. What is Russia likely? Well, maybe that's not the right way to put this. If things go badly in the Ukraine, Russia still has a cyber weapon. What, what yes. kind of attacks uh, should we be more watchful for? All you have to do is watch the coverage of what's going on in Ukraine right now, the cities that are being hit, Mariupol, Kiev, you know, places like that. The things that you go after to bring a nation to its knees is power and water. And then you've got the collateral things of food uh, and things like that. But power and water, and that's – I think it may reach a point to where Putin may not use – if he uses – you know, they talk about will he use nuclear weapons, will he use chemical. I would say even before that, he will use, like you say, some kind of a cyber weapon in retaliation. Now, here's the calculus he has to make. Uh, back, I think it was on February 26th, the Deputy Secretary General of NATO said, look, cyber is an operational domain. If there is a massive cyber attack against a NATO country, it's Article 5. You know, attack on one is attack on all. Now, will that mean just a cyber response? Or will that mean does bits and bytes now get bombs and bullets? So I, I don't know that Russia, in their planning doctrine, really knew what, how this was going to work out. They did do a lot of what's called IPB intelligence preparation of the battlefield. They They did go after, like you say, communications taking out things. But I don't know that they really had an effective plan how to integrate that in overall into their uh, doctrine of war as they attack things. Do, do, you know, do we take down things? Do we blow them up and take them down digitally? You know, And then if we do, how hard is it to reconstitute something like that? Because at some point, if they do seize these areas, they're going to want to reconstitute services uh, you know, and bring things back up. So uh, I, if anybody says they know what's going to happen, uh, they don't. Potential is then the next thing. How potentially how much damage could they do? And, you know, let's get more into the asymmetrical capabilities and possibilities, whether attacking Ukraine directly, the U.S. or others. Russia could spread this out fairly easily around the world. Yep. And if, if you keep enough resources busy, you're allowed to target. You know, I take your point about water. For years, I've talked about something very simple in this country that is all too easy to attack. Changing the water mix in an urban environment at the processing plant. These are computer-controlled systems. Yeah, there are, you know, phys physical ability to go and shut it off. But if you do it before it's discovered, you can give an entire city a giant headache. David, you're spot on. And the thing is, too, is that if I attack one, I have to treat all other facilities as though they've been compromised. And now I have to extend and, uh, you know, encumber additional resources that I have to go out now to all of these places and make sure that they're safe. So after 9-11, it wasn't just fortifying four planes, cockpit doors. It's, fort it, you know, they fortified every airplane, you know. So th this has a very definite cascading effect. And again, water is one of those things. I think it was, what, a couple years ago, uh, right before the elections down in Florida there, where they caught you know the folks coming in trying to – if it had not been for an alert engineer seeing what was going on, somebody could have changed the mix of the water. And once that gets out there, 
it, it's very you, you don't pull it back. I mean, you now cut people off from water to say you cannot use this water. And what does that do? Creates chaos, creates panic. You know, just like what happened with Colonial Pipeline. If people really, if, you know, look at what happened with just a perceived shortage of fuel. Look what happened with just a perceived potential attack against water. What happens if we have a real one? I think the uh, I think sometimes the psychological impact magnifies what happens to us and the way we think about it. But man, m- imagine if somebody just decides to uh, just some random person decides to dump a bunch of fentanyl into a treatment plant. We saw the the the, the poisonings down in Florida, you know, over the spring break. Uh, though the water is such a huge concern because David, like you say, we have to have it. It's we we can get by without social media and all this other stuff. You can't get by without water. Yeah, there are times when the public component of this is valuable. If Russia were to begin these types of attacks, should the United States respond both quietly and then in a public manner, take out a number of their systems, then go out and say, for example, yes, we did that, and that's to let the world and you know that we'll act. You know, it's I don't think it's one or the other, but at times you need to publicly state your position in some ways no different than if you decide to carry out a physical attack on a city or a base or whatever the case may be. David, there there is a, uh, an underlying uh huge sea of discontent, I should say, in Russia right now. I think if you did something that wasn't injurious to the uh, folks there, in other words, like if you took out something major for a while, but let the Russian folks know, this is what we did. If Vladimir keeps us up, this will be the least of your worries because we will do X, Y, and Z. I think sometimes you got to, you know, when somebody hits you, you got to give them a bloody nose back and it just can't be a proportional response. You need to let them know if you punch us with your fist, we will hit you with a bat. It has to be a disproportionate response to grab uh, their attention. I think Russia is on. I have a ongoing bet with a buddy of mine in uh, DOD inside an intelligence unit. But I'm, I'm sitting now. I think the end to what's going on in Ukraine will be an uprising by the Russian people. And look, it's not above Russia to uh, they've already started arresting people. They arrested the head of the FSB, their uh, internal uh, intelligence and security. And remember, Putin was around when the KGB tried to uh, overthrow Gorbachev and had that failed coup. So it is not above generals and people to go. We're losing too many people. This puts us in a bad position. We could be permanently damaged and never be able to reclaim our spot on the globe in terms of a power if this keeps going. So I think that I think what you're saying we ought to do and we ought to let them know, yeah, it was us. And if this keeps up, it will be worse. So, Morgan, I've got a target for us. You, you, you've known me long enough. You know, I have a path <laughs> to something here, my friend. My target is the oligarchs or are the oligarchs i guess to be more correct they some still have access to other banking systems they are engaged in various industries and not all of them are well liked in russia they hold a significant power uh in different industries but not well liked what if we went after the oligarchs what if we went after and took literally took their money we have the capability through cyber to do this and put them in a position where they have to go to Putin and say, look what's being done to me. You know, David, uh, as men go, you take away enough of our toys. We start throwing a temper tantrum. I think if you take enough of the toys away from the oligarchs, their money, their yachts, 
uh, their houses, their mansions, whatever it is. Not only do I think they go back to Putin, like you say, I think some of them guys go, look, we've got enough money. Um, hey, here's a few rubles, guys. No, in fact, here's a lot of rubles. Um, we'd like the situation to change at the top. Maybe we don't get somebody we really like in there, but you know what? I don't know of anybody in Russia right now that would be worse than Putin uh, being president. So maybe the uh, lesser of two evils becomes the solution. But whatever it is, I think they want a way to extricate themselves out of Ukraine. You know why? Because their livelihood, even though they're oligarchs, you know, and they got what they got by being given to them, they didn't earn it. It was given to them. They still want to maintain that lifestyle. Once you give it to somebody, it's hard to take it away. And again, that goes back to the point maybe between them and what happens in Russia. You've got two uh, lines of attack on Putin, one from his buddies, the oligarchs, the other one from the public saying we've had enough of this. Um, Somebody somewhere is going to go, you know, maybe we ought to think about replacing Putin, bring this whole thing to an end and uh, get back to business because their economy is going to implode. The military is taking huge losses, unsustainable losses. Uh, something's got to give here pretty soon. And I don't know. I don't think it's going to be U- Ukraine or Kiev first. I think it's going to be the Russian military. They're going to run out of fuel supply. And the biggest thing they're going to run out of is stamina and morale. All right. Now let's turn to Ukraine, uh, Morgan. Does Ukraine have cyber capability that we know of? Uh, yes, they do. Uh, and that's what I was alluding to earlier. They just signed an agreement with the uh, uh, the NATO uh, Center of Excellence as a cooperating partner. So they are getting, in a sense, in fact, it was unanimous vote. I think uh, 26 uh, of the people that were voting, they all voted unanimously to allow Ukraine in. So I think, like I said, they got religion after December and uh, December 2015. Plus, they also got attacked again in 2016. So I think them like Estonia, which was attacked by Russia, that they've started getting they started getting much better at this than they were before. Now, from a defensive capability, yes, I don't know that they have a very well or a mature offensive capability. I think their biggest thing right now is to just make sure things stay up and running and hope that other actors and other people will be taking offensive action. So uh, I just don't think that they're the heavyweight uh, from an offensive standpoint, but I think they're holding their own from a defensive standpoint. Hmm. Interesting. All right, let's mix in. I, I see something on the line here. I think you and I can have uh, an interesting conversation. Morgan Wright on the line. Sal in New York. Uh, let me bring you in on this, Sal. You say it's unfair to the people with Morgan's strategies. What do you mean? If I'm in the circle that I agree with my leader and what they're doing for my country, and in Russia right now it's more than 25% that agree with what they're doing, So if I'm in that circle and a country makes my life miserable by taking out my power or eliminating my water and saying, you know, we'll do more to you and punish you even more, even though it's not you that's responsible for what's happening, but we're asking you to uprise and overthrow your government because we don't want to. I think it's just so cowardly to punish the constituents because a administration is too scared to take the fight to the enemy. And I, I, I've never agreed with sanctions. All you're doing is either upsetting people or punishing innocent people and depriving them of what they need. And so I, I'll never agree to that strategy. And maybe some aspects like cutting off the banks and making it difficult for the administration or the regimes to be able to trade money or whatever they do with money. But 
I, I just don't see the point of punishing the, you know, the small guy who's trying to run a business, and now all of a sudden he can't use his water. Does that make All right, so Morgan, sometimes there's collateral. That's how I see it based. That's I'll speak for myself. You speak for yourself, Morgan. I see it as there is some collateral. There always is collateral damage. By the way, if you take the money away from an oligarch uh, and he has a business, he won't be able to pay his workers if his bank accounts are frozen. So there's damage there too. But Morgan, what's your take on Sal's response? Uh, well, well, let me be clear about something. I never said take out their power and water. When I said do something, I said it's got to be something that uh, was non-life-threatening. So I would never attack power and water. We're the good guys. We always fight with one hand behind our back. Second of all, I disagree. A war is never fair. There is no such thing as the word fair in war. If there was, um, if there was anything about fairness, Russia would only be targeting military targets. They would not be going after civilian populations, committing war crimes. So, um, you know, the rules of war were established so to, to ensure minimum collateral damage, including the loss of uh, civilian life. But hey, look, um, we didn't start this. Uh, Ukraine didn't start this. So I think it's one of those things is that the way you prevent these things from happening is you extract complete and total victory. We didn't settle for conditional surrender in World War II. It was unconditional surrender from both Germany and Japan. Sometimes that's what war brings you. I mean, you go to war with what you have and you fight uh, based on the conditions on the ground. But again, I go back to you, you attack this from two ways. You let the people know whether it's cutting them off from banking, cutting off things, there's access to social media, cutting off communications. As I said, things that are non-life threatening and then you ratchet up the pressure. Yeah. Does it affect them? Sure. Does it suck? Yeah. But guess what? Uh, Putin has an absolute uh, way to get out of this, and that's to stop, pull back all forces and keep this from happening. So uh, I, I have I agree with some of that, but I have a different point of view. And I think sometimes. You just can't you can't launch a rocket that's half fueled. You either you either go all in, bring this to a, a solution, or you stay the heck out of it. There is no sort of uh, dipping your foot into the pool on something like this. There's either complete and total victory, or you, you back out and uh, do not help Ukraine at all. All right, I think I just heard a little bit of Patton in there. Just a little bit of Patton. <laughs> a little bit of channeling George Patton this morning. You know. <laughs> channeling George, yes. Uh, not a bad way to go. Morgan Wright, cybersecurity uh, expert, of course, and chief security advisor at Sentinel One. Uh, always, Morgan, thank you. You bet, brother. Anytime. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.